What's up, Colorado? And welcome back to another drinking and deep dive. So this is our third episode we're doing so far. We're doing them live every Wednesday at noon. Just trying to have some fun where we can drink, have a little fun, but also talk some real estate topics. So today we're going to cover quite a few updates. We're going to cover stocks versus real estate. We got two deal analyses of a single family home house act. It's a room by room house act in Montebello and a triplex house hack in West Wash Park. Then we'll go through a couple of viewer questions. One is, can I use an FHA loan on a multifamily house hack? And it's not a simple yes, no answer. There's an asterisk there. The second question is, what's up and what's the latest on the new Denver rental property inspections? So we got a lot to cover today. And my guest co-host today is Stacey Rosansky. Stacey, good morning or good afternoon. Good afternoon, Chris. Happy to be here. Glad to have you on. This, this is fun. So first off, cheers. Cheers. Yes, we're going to have our drink while we do some deep dives on here. So I think a lot of you guys are familiar with Stacey. She's been on the podcast uh, quite a few times already. Yeah. But she knows a lot about rental properties around Denver, one of our top agents, and has two deals we'll be going through today. So we're going to start off. As I pull this up on the screen here, is about house price gains versus stocks. So, you know, over the years, I've seen various iterations of this graph where it just shows returns of stock and returns of housing prices. And this is one that uh, came from Visual Capitalist, which is actually a pretty cool website with all sorts of infographics on there that the uh, Lon Walsh showed out like a week ago. So, caught my eye since, you know, stocks and prices everywhere have just gone up the last. 12 months or last eight months. And so this graph goes back to 1990 and it shows the Case Schiller US National Home Price Index. Okay, hold on. We'll start this one over. I forgot to add it to the screen here. So now we should have the graph up on here. So check it out on YouTube or check out the blog post if you're listening to the, uh, the podcast audio here. But it has the Case Schiller National Home Price Index from 1990 compared to the S&P 500 index. So stocks versus housing. Now, if you go back to 1990, they're both at 0%. They start the same. And then the home price index just goes up very, very gradual. And then around the bubble in the late 2000s, it decreases some and then goes back up. It's very much like how would you describe that? A a soft rolling hill, Stacy, on a graph. Slow and steady. Yeah, that that's the best metaphor. Come up. It's just it's a it's a you know rolling hills on there. The S and P five hundred, it's a little bit more like a roller coaster. It goes up. You can see the dot com bubble. It goes down. It goes up, and then the crash. It goes down, and it just has gone up and up and up since then. Now, looking at this graph right here in terms of January one, twenty twenty. So it shows. The total housing returns at 200% and stocks at just over a thousand percent. So when you see those numbers, Stacey, what's your initial immediate reaction? Stocks. We should be in stocks, all in stocks. Now I know you're joking because <laughs> I can see you grinning while you say this. I mean, I mean, I own stocks, you own stocks, like, you know, we're agents, but we both are big believers in the stock market. But from a pure price standpoint, oftentimes you actually get a greater return on stocks. And we've had an amazing bull market since, I mean, what, 10 or 11 years ago, whenever it started recovering. It's been up and down last year or two, but overall it's still gone up and up and up. Yep. Now, housing prices, I actually expected to see that blue line, the housing price lines go up more with what we've seen the last you know, six months. But I think that's also part of just 
takes a while for those prices probably come through the the price index, but also it's not going to be a dramatic gain on there. Because if you look at this from a pure, hey, if I invest a dollar in the stock market, invest a dollar in housing back then, or you should say $100,000 to use realistic numbers, you do have a total, a overall less price increase on houses if you use unleveraged buying. And this is what these graphs, while they're great visually, and they're great for us realtors to say, oh my gosh, look how volatile the stock market is. Um, it's not really an apples to apples comparison in my mind because on the housing prices here, it's buying unleveraged or all cash uh, prices on the house. And I'm not taking into account or the other ways to make money, the debt pay down if you have a tenant, mm -hmm. the depreciation benefits. And I don't know how they measure, they don't measure cash flow in here as well. And so these other types of return besides prices, both in housing and stocks. The other thing too, which stocks, which I love about stocks is that if you have the right setting set up on your mutual fund, they automatically reinvest every time it gets your quarterly dividends. So you're automatically reinvesting your money all the time. With real estate, like when you get your, you know, when you make, you know, you get your rental income, you pay your bills, you pay your mortgage, where's that $300, $500 a month sitting in your bank account, Stacey? Just sitting there. Yeah, I mean, that's what mine <laughs> does too. Like eventually it gets redeployed to something, right? but it's not that same week, it's not that same month, it's not that same quarter, it just sits there until, oh great, I've got enough across everything, I can do something with the money. And that's the thing I have to keep in mind as you, as you look at these graphs is, how can I understand this and also really understand that when they measure those returns for housing, it is often just pure price and they don't look at using leverage, the other ways to make money and also doing what we are big fans of, which is how to reposition your equity to Take equity from one house and use that to go buy another house to compound your returns a lot faster. If you do that, you often see greater returns in real estate. From a high level, what this also says to me is the stock market is a lot more volatile, which I think we all know that. Right. Uh, we all know this news cycle that's a lot more volatile. Um, with real estate, it does not swing day to day like the news does. Uh, both stocks, hey, Griff, if prices crash on the stock market, you just don't touch it. If prices crash or tenant stops paying money in real estate, you still have to make your monthly mortgage payment and other obligations. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. But overall, uh, real estate, while it does not show a huge return, if you actually use leverage, you'll get a much greater return. It makes me think this graph that continued to promote what we promote, which is using a smaller percentage for your down payment on your real estate and then use the rest of your money, maybe put it in the stock market. Exactly. I mean, stay liquid and there's opportunity cost to that money. All right, so we're gonna move on to our next segment here, which is going through a couple deal analyses. So Stacy, these are deals that you have closed in the last couple months, right? Yep. Okay. So we're gonna go through the room by room house stack in Montbello. Mm -hmm. Give us an overview on the property while I get the spreadsheet pulled up. Yeah. So this was a deal that we did back in, I think late February, March, and it's a single family home up in a North Denver suburb, or Denver, it's in Denver proper, but it's kind of North side of town. So it's Montbello, right? Yeah, Montbello is the neighborhood. And just a really awesome property. Um, it, ha it is a single family home, but it is three bedrooms, two bath upstairs, and three bedrooms, one bath downstairs also has a full kitchen in the basement. Okay. So it has a really great setup. And so the client who bought this is a house hacker. Mm -hmm. So where's he living and what's he renting out? So he is um, 
I'm not exactly sure. I think he's going to be moving into a bedroom in the basement. Okay. And so he'll be renting out all the rooms upstairs and one or two of the other bedrooms in the basement. All right. And so I got the spreadsheet pulled up here now. We'll select it to start filling the variables. Mm -hmm. What was the financing like on this property? He was able to get a 3% down loan. All right. Was a, so a loan program, down conventional, yeah, conventional loan and no uh, mortgage insurance. So no mortgage insurance. All right. So we're going to finagle yeah. the, uh, the spreadsheet here a little bit to make to zero that out. All right. And so no mortgage insurance. What's the purchase price? Purchase price was 390 $390. And this was in what? February. So the market was hot back then. Yep. What was it listed at? What was the, the contract process like? Yeah, it was listed for three sixty five. So we did go quite a bit over asking, um, but still were managed to stay under that four hundred thousand dollar threshold for a single family home, which is rare. Pretty great right now. Um, so we did do all the things. You know, we had to do appraisal gap and uh, limited inspection um, to make our offer really strong. But one of the main things that we do is just get our offer in really fast. So that I think helped us um, get our offer accepted. All right. So end of the day, through all your your wheeling and dealing, three ninety, rough ballpark and acquisition cost. Um, I think it was like fifty six hundred. Okay. And then in terms of inspection, now for seller credits and mm -hmm. initial repairs, inspection. Are there anything that he got back from the sellers, or anything that the investor needs to do once he moves in? Yeah, so a few things. Um, we There was some issues with the roof. Um, so we did get a seller credit of $6,000. Okay. And um, I would say his initial repairs are also going to be around $6,000. Uh, he needs one bedroom needed an egress window and probably going to have to replace the flooring in the bedrooms. Okay, so about six grand in total repair costs. Yeah. And if you guys are watching us uh, live on the spreadsheet, you're going to see a negative number in the initial repair cost on here. And that's because on the upfront mortgage insurance, um, it calculated about 6,053. And I just put that negative number in the initial repair cost to zero it out. So all together, he was all, he'll be all in for about 19,000 mm -hmm. from down payment, closing costs, seller credits, and then uh, lumping back in there, the initial repairs as well. So mortgage interest, what was the interest rate on this property? Um, this property he got at 2.75. All right. So great 30-year fixed. Mm -hmm. And do you want to run these numbers while he's living there or once he moves out? Say that again. Sorry. Are we going to put the rental income in here for while he's living there or once he moves out? Uh, let's do it while he's living there. Okay. So let's talk those numbers. So again, what's the layout? It's a three bedroom, two bath upstairs. So there's a master bedroom upstairs. And a kitchen upstairs, right? And a kitchen upstairs, okay. yep. And then the basement has three bedrooms, one bathroom, and another full kitchen down there. Okay, so all the other six bedrooms, three, three baths, two kitchens. Yep. Okay, so house hacker's dream. Yep. <laughs> all right, so while I was living there, what are what's the rental income like? Yeah, so I think we estimated that the um, primary bedroom would get around 800 and the two secondary bedrooms would be 700 a piece that's for upstairs okay and then for the basement well 
Again, he'll be living in one unit, so I we put 700 for the other two. Okay. So altogether, that's quite a bit of rental income, about yeah. $3,600 a month in rental income. Yeah. And is that including utilities in there? Yes. Okay. So we'll put utilities in there. We'll keep vacancy at 3%, all that kind of standard. Property management, no, he's living there, so right. there's no property management. Monthly repairs, reserves maintenance. I would bump it up to 8%. Yeah. All right, so 8% of the rents of 3600 I imagine no HOA in that no part HOA. of town. Nope. Taxes. Taxes for this property were 1600 1600 Insurance? Um, that was about 1500 Okay. Now, again, we're running these numbers while he lives there as a owner-occupant house hack. Mm -hmm. What is the estimated water and sewer bill? I think we had $1,000 for the year on there. All right. Trash is in Denver, so that's no trash and property, property taxes. taxes. Excel. Um, I think that was uh, we put it at two thousand. Okay, just because it is a lot of people living in the house. Oh yeah, <laughs> and of course it depends on how efficient the yeah. heater is during right. the winter. So landscaping snow removal, I'm assuming he'll do it himself. Yep. So we'll leave that zero right now, and then probably Wi-Fi or something like that. Yeah. I mean, seven hundred bucks for the year. Or... Yeah, that's good. Yeah. All right. So altogether, about $4,000 a year in utility expenses. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna jump over the cash flow tab now. And this is where the numbers, especially on house hacking, start getting, <laughs> start getting pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So estimated annual rental income, about $43,000. Mm -hmm. Subtract out a 3% vacancy, our repairs and maintenance, about 3,500 for the year. Taxes, insurance, all utilities, about $10,000 a year in expenses. Leaves an NOI of thirty-one thousand six hundred minus eighteen thousand five hundred in mortgage payments. Leaves about thirteen thousand dollars a year in cash flow. So I mean, this is a thousand dollars a month, right? Is, while he's living there. While he's living there. Yeah. So this is crazy. This yeah. is great. Yeah. And I think we ran it even if you took out um, take out one of the bedrooms, so it's not super crowded. Let's say he just has one roommate in the basement. So we'll drop 700 bucks yeah. from rent. So $2,900 in annual rent. Yeah. Cash flows 5,600 a year or about what? 500 bucks a month or yeah. so. Still pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, still pretty good. Even if it's lower than that. I mean, <laughs> you know, the fact that if you're living there for mm -hmm. free and you're making money, right. I mean, that is a great win. Um, so overall, like he's got to be thrilled at this property, I would think. Yeah. Right. It's a great deal. And it has so many opportunities with that kitchen in the basement to either rent it to a really large family if he wanted to, you know, do a long-term rental that way or, you know, two separate families. Um, so it really has a tons of potential. Okay. So his plans, is he going to move out around the one-year mark? Is he going to stick to like the, the one-year and move out, turn to a rental and repeat? That's his plan. We'll see how he feels after moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, for numbers like this, um, if I could rewind, you know, my time machine 15 years to right. when I was younger and single, I would move around for numbers like this in a heartbeat. Right. <laughs> so overall, here's the crazy thing. So you look at that total return on investment. He's making about 200% on the money he invested while living there at the lower uh, cash flow rate. And that's just because you got to keep in mind when you look at returns, when you put so little down, you get such a higher magnified return. Mm-hmm. So he's making 198% on there. 
Now, if I were to come in here and put this 20% down, same numbers, my cash flow goes up wow. from like 5,600 to 8,800, so an extra $3,000 a year in cash flow. Yeah. But my total overall return actually drops to 50%. So even though I'm making more cash flow, actually my percent return of my money drops down because I have a lower, or I have a higher down payment, which changes the percentages. And I bring this up, if you go back to the, the stocks versus real estate we talked about, this is the power of leverage that people always have to keep in mind when they look at returns for real estate. Like you can't just go, oh, great, this place is 500,000, I sold for 800,000. Right. What, what's the leverage like? What's the hold time? What's the cash flow? What's the tax benefits? What's the debt pay down? You put all that in there. And this is why those graphs, um, while they look cool, there's a lot more of the story than just total price appreciation. Because if I buy this at 5% and you buy this at 20% down, Stacy, we're getting very different returns on our money. Exactly. And then plus we can take that, you know, if I paid 5% down, I can take this to 15% and buy another property in the stock market or Bitcoin, you know, whatever, whatever your fancy is. All right. So I'm gonna go back and change this to correct numbers. All right. So any other final comments on this uh, house hack? No, just was an awesome deal. Like we were, you know, buyer was thrilled that, you know, we were able to get into this market at that price point. Um, and he was quick to act. So it worked out for everybody. And so this closed, you said late February? I think it was, yeah, late February, early March. Okay, so I mean, we're, you know, we're June 1st, right? Or June yeah. 2nd now, we're recording this. Mm -hmm. So three months since then, are there many properties under $4,000 like this out in the market? Mm, it would be hard to find one. They're getting fewer and fewer, yeah. right? But is it impossible to find a property like it this? Is. That makes sense. No. Yeah, and that's Definitely the punchline not. there. Yeah. So let's say even great now, it's gonna take 430,000. Right. So an extra $40,000. Down payment increases by two thousand. Cash flow drops from fifty five hundred to thirty eight hundred. So, still a win. Right. Like that's the thing. So, as the market continues to appreciate, which it's going to, um, you know, make sure you run these numbers. Understand how a higher price point is impacted as you buy a place with leverage. All right. So that's property one. Now moving to property two. And this is a triplex house hack Yes. near Wash Park, right? That's right. All right, so give us just an overview about the property, the client, like set, tell the story for us. Yeah, so this was a client I was working with who was looking, we actually started out looking, she wanted to use an FHA product um, to buy a multifamily, um, which we'll talk more about that question a little bit later, but it was getting harder and harder to do. Um, so we sort of switched a little bit. Um, so she bought this still as a primary residence, but did do 20% down on it. Um, and it is a home from 1890. So really cool old house, uh, which also comes with its quirks um, in an amazing location. Um, had really great um, existing tenants and rents in place, which is what made it so attractive to us to kind of go check out. So what's the layout? So it's an, is this like a converted... Yeah. So, Old mansion or what? Yeah. What's the layout? So it is actually um, the main house is uh, two units. And then there is a carriage house off the back, um, which was the garage. Okay. Yeah. So, so the, the main house side by side, up, down, like well, how split is it? Um, it's up, down. So the okay. main level is um, 
what's cool about this house is she may, the client may do this. You could potentially make it into four units. Um, So the main house is a two bedroom, two bath. um, And then upstairs is a two bedroom, one bath. But the layout for the main floor lends itself to kind of separate the back bedroom bathroom into its own unit. Okay. And then the carriage house is just a one bedroom, one bath. Um, like I said, where the garage was. And this is all, this is like a true triplex, separate living spaces, separate entrances, separate kitchens. It's yes. not, okay. They do have shared laundry, um, but other than that, everything is separate. Okay. So a great, sounds like a great triplex. Yeah. So what was the purchase price on here? So the purchase price on this one was a million fifteen thousand. I get these zeros right in here. Yeah. All right. So just over a million. <laughs> yeah. Now acquisition costs on multis are, are higher than single family homes. What yes. was the, the ballpark acquisition on here? Yeah, the ballpark acquisition on this one was um twelve thousand. All right, so we'll say twelve thousand. And then any seller credits or initial repair costs that came up during the, the contract process? Yep, on this one as well. Um we got um about 13,000 in credits. So actually, sorry, the the end um, sale price was a million 13,500. Okay. Um, so we did take the purchase price down a little bit and then the rest went towards seller credits. Um, so you could put 11,000 in seller credit. All right. Any initial repair cost to get it up and running or get to the rents we're about to talk about? No, nothing. Um, that isn't necessary right away. I think my client would will want to um, just kind of more upkeep stuff and maintenance um, to keep the house running because again, it is it's a hundred thirty year old house, hundred and thirty years old. Um, but there's nothing that was needed. Okay, so it's been well maintained over the last hundred years. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's a big difference. Like old homes, don't get scared by them. Right, you know, just because of the age, but really understand that you have to do due diligence. There's going to be some quirks in there, and it really depends on how the last, how many homeowners, how well have they taken care of their property, what's been converted and updated, what hasn't. Exactly. Yeah. Some the are great, was some in are bad. Great shape. Um, you know, the, it's got an old boiler that needs to be maintained. Um, so just those kind of things that she's keeping an eye on, but nothing I would say upfront that needed to be done in terms of to obtain rents. All right. Interest rate. Um, she also got 2.75 interest rate. I love these sub 3% rates. <laughs> uh, rental income. So do you want to run this while she's living there or once she moves out? Um, let's do it while she's living there. Just okay. to see. So the um, main floor unit um, is rented at twenty three seventy five, And the upstairs unit is rented at seventeen ninety five. And then so she's, she's living in, in the, the carriage, carriage house. house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So about 40... 100, uh, about $4,200 in gross rents on those two. Mm-hmm. Vacancy at 3%, rent increase at 3%, appreciation, we'll just say 3% to keep it very conservative. And then property management will be a no while she's living there, I'd imagine, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Re- monthly reserves repairs. We put this at 10% because of the age of the home. would totally agree with that. <laughs> HOA? No HOA. Probably none on there. Taxes. Taxes on this property were $4,000. Insurance? 2000 And how are the utilities on this property? Or the meters, I should say. Um, There is, I'm trying to remember. 
there is a separate meter, I think, for the carriage house. Um, but everything was being billed back to the tenant. So the she was taking care of it and then just filling them back. Okay. So the bill back, that's not including these rents we talked about up here, right? The 4170. Um, that's rents and then utilities on top of that? Correct. Okay. So we can leave utilities off of here mm -hmm. because they'll just wash each other out. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, she'll be paying a few bucks in utilities for her unit, but right. we can leave it out for good enough, right? Mm -hmm. Landscaping, lawn care, or is that all? Yeah, she'll take care of it. There's not much for this property. Great. So, million dollar purchase price, all in for about 200000 about $50,000 in annual gross rents on the two units up front while she's living in the carriage house. Put the expenses in here. NOI is about $37,500 minus a $39,700 a year mortgage payment. So about negative cash, so about $2,200 a year. So less than $200 a month plus utilities plus shoveling some snow, living for $200 a month. Yep. Pretty awesome. That's a win. <laughs> That's a really great win. Yeah. I did not expect numbers to be that good. Yeah. Now put in when she rents out the third unit. Yeah, this is going to be gonna be fun to see. All right, so let me change this. All right, so this will be for the... It's a 2-1 carriage house? Uh, just a 1-1. One, 1-1, one. One, one. okay. I think it'll rent for about 1100 Oh, I think it'll get higher than that. You say this is like near Wash Park, right? Yeah. I, I've seen ADUs it could be not 12. too far from there going for eleven hundred. I, yeah. I would be I would be very surprised. It was rented at a thousand previously, but we knew that was under market. Yeah. Um but we'll be conservative. Put okay. it at eleven hundred. All right, so we'll do that and we assume tenants are still paying their utilities either directly or yeah. reimbursing, right? All right, so now the cash flow is ninety three hundred dollars a year. So eight hundred dollars a month or so. And that's a 4.8% cap rate, 4.5% cash on cash return. That is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really, really great. Yeah, I think this will be a really good long term. And then, like I said, she has the option to convert it to make a fourth unit, and that will make it even. What do you think the cost rates? to convert to a fourth unit would be? That she would need to put in some sort of kitchen yeah. um, for the unit, but it's a small, you know, it'd be a small one bedroom. It had enough space because the, there was like a bedroom and an extra room. So she had space to add like a kitchen and there would still be a living room and bedroom. So um, I would say probably be ten to $15,000. Do you think what your gut is like based on the layout and all that is the juice worth a squeeze to put the money in there, update it, and then reconfigure whatever the units? I think so. Because really she would just have to build a wall. There wasn't any... Much. Well, build a wall and a well, kitchen. Yeah, and a kitchen. <laughs> right? I mean, the space was there for that. Okay. So it wasn't and wouldn't like make the other to... units like awkward no, and like drop No, it wouldn't affect value. the front unit at all. Um, the just the, the the way that it was rented. I mean, she's getting really good rent for the two bedroom right now. There's actually twenty. I think it was twenty three hundred. Um, yeah. So we would just have to run. What does that look like? You know, separating it into two one bedrooms. Um, the, the front unit would still be a really big one bedroom, so it'd still be pretty desirable. So it'd lose a bedroom. So, okay, you wouldn't be adding bedroom, we're just shifting a bedroom from a two unit to a single one. Exactly. Okay. Okay. So I, I think it would probably be worth it in the long run. I think you could um, still command a lot of rent just because of the area. So we would dive a little deeper into that. Okay.
I mean, but either way, I mean, you, you keep it as is. Right. I mean, you're going to be cash flowing very, very strong. Right. Which is great. You got an interest rate below inflation. Just hold on to it mm -hmm. and let it bring in some cash flow. And Right. Yeah, she definitely is just going to be living there for the year and then moving on to the next thing. Great. All right. Any other final comments on this property? No. All right. I like this one. I like both of them a lot. <laughs> but this this property is what prompted this question. And it wasn't a direct user question we got for this episode. It's just a question that I get a lot of the time. I know Stacy get a lot of the time. And it's, can I use an FHA loan to buy multifamily? And yes, you can with the asterisks. Right. And this property, this last triplex we talked about was an example of it. Yep. Because FHA is a great program designed helping people, you know, really be for generally speaking, first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. And you can go out there and buy a multifamily at, for three and a half percent down. Right. Where if we use conventional products, you're often, you know, 15% down for duplex or 25% down for a triplex or fourplex. Now, where the asterisk comes in for FHA loans is the two questions I get is can I use a two or three K loan, which is the rehab loan? And the other thing people know about is the FHA self-sufficiency test. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with the self-sufficiency test here because this is the first triplex house act that we sold in, I mean, I think well over a year, if not close to two years. Right. And a big part of the reason is because of the self-sufficiency test the FHA, have, FHA loan products have. So if you're out there, if you're buying a duplex, Stacey, with FHA, you don't have this. It's only Correct. for triplexes and fourplexes. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty certain you can double check me and Stacey on here, but the self-sufficiency test is that 75% of the gross rents, whether you live there or not, but just 75% of market rents for all the units on there must cover principal, interest, taxes, insurance, plus the monthly FHA mortgage insurance, MIP. And you have to live there because it's a FHA loan. So it's you yep. really only get to use of the units you wouldn't be living in. So I've heard, so do they do they use the units you don't live in there or the total property units? I've heard two different things. I haven't verified with the lender yet. Yeah. I, guess I was we'll in the impression. To, now, yeah, we'll have to double check that. Okay. My, so we can better drink on this then because my, <laughs> my impression is that it's the total property, not while you live there. Um, yeah. Well, now that you say that, you might be right. Okay. I think I am. I think you owe me a drink. We'll we'll double Fair check enough. this though. And of course, like the astro the you know, disclaimers, we are not lenders. Right. So always double check with your lender and make sure they know the nuances of H FHAs. So Stacy, why does the self-sufficiency test matter? Why why did you not put three and a half percent down this property? So it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> um the rents just with the housing prices in Denver, the rents aren't going to match up to to make those numbers work. Um you can still do the FHA, you're just going to have to end up putting a higher, more than three and a half percent down to make any of these properties work. And that's the, that's the key thing right there is like, you can still, you, you can still use FHA, but you just have to put more down. So it passes this self-sufficiency test. Right. And that's the, that's the big thing right there. So at three and a half percent down, this property would not pass the, would not pass the test. Right. And so at that point, it made more sense to look at the conventional loans because the other benefit, you know, the benefit is the three and a half percent down. And if you can't use that, then other loans might be a less expensive yeah. option for you. And was this FHA or conventional? This was conventional. Okay. She actually, what happened was she was looking at just buying it as an investment property and doing an investment loan. 
Um, but the rates and closing costs as a owner occupant loan were so much better. She decided, even though she was putting going to put, you know, that she was going to put the 20% down either way. So she decided it was worth it to live in it for a year to get those better terms. I thought for 30 year fixed, you had to put 25% down triplexes. That's correct. Yeah. So she would have had to put the 25% down. And then, so that's why she switched is it was 20% down and better terms for her interest rate and closing costs. So it is an FHA then, or it's not? Not an FHA. Okay. Conventional loan, but she was looking at originally just buying it as an investment and not living there. So she was going to do an investor loan. And that would have been 25%. 25% and worse interest rate or higher interest rate. So as an owner occupant, as a triplex, she was able to put down 20%. Correct. Ah, okay. I thought it was still 25% regardless of whether it's investment owner occupied. Oh, no. Okay. Not for this. Great. Yeah. And this is a real triplex, not a duplex of the carriage house, right? It's a real triplex? Or it is duplex? considered a triplex. Okay. Even so that's that, how I got that appraised. That is the layout. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. So this is great. So I, I need to clarify then for myself. So, yeah. uh, non-owner occupied investment property, 25% down for investment loan. Yeah. Owner occupied triplex, you can do 20% down. Correct. All right. Good to know. She was able to. Yeah, and that's safe. <laughs> Check with your lender. <laughs> and the, and this is part of the thing, like le- the 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 lending nuances, the lending guidelines, they change all the time. Mm-hmm. So something that we're saying today, or we said three months ago, a lot of times a, a footnote will get changed, or something changes in the back end, and it's no longer up to date. Right. And so realize that some information we share will be outdated. And again, Stacey are not experts. <laughs> we know a pretty good amount, but we always say, hey, this loan officer is smarter than us. Go talk to him or her and and double check it. Exactly. Um, and then you get great deals like this. Yeah. All right. So for FHA self-sufficiency test, make sure you understand that rule because it gets more difficult that way. And the two or three K loan. I get this question a lot. I think I, I don't know if you, if you get this quite as much as I do, Stacy, but a lot of people use it because it's a rehab product. It's a rehab loan product through FHA. And it sounds great on paper. You can go out there, buy a place, and then they'll give you some money wrapping the loan to go rehab the place. The problem is it's hard to do in a seller's market mm-hmm. like that we're currently in. Even the pre-COVID seller's market, it was about near impossible to do it in because uh, closings take a lot longer. You have to get multiple contracts to come through, give you bids and fill out government paperwork. And right now, Stacey, I mean, you've done a remodel in one of your places. How is it getting contractors out? Slow. It's very yes. slow going. <laughs> and for them to come out and do a government paperwork on a lo- property that they probably won't even get. It's a pretty low priority. Right. So it's hard to get contractors out in the time frame. And then sellers, all sellers want a 60 day close right now, right? <laughs> no, they don't. Um, so that's a big reason why you can't do FHA two or three K loans right now. So does that mean you shouldn't buy a property? No, it just means you have to understand the market and the loan product. And that I think a great play right now is exactly what uh, this client did here. Mm-hmm. They bought a great property where the numbers make sense. It's just under a five cap rate. So it's still a very strong property. Right. But they got long-term debt at 2.75%. Mm-hmm. We all know what prices are going to do. They're going to go up. We all know what inflation is going to do. How does it not go up when lumber's gone up hundreds of percent? Like right. prices are going up. Rents are, or uh, inflation's going up. Interest rates are going up. Lock it in and play smart that way. Mm-hmm. All right. So... For what's the second question? Oh, the updates. I have the outdated, the wrong agenda printed for me. I just realized, Stacy. <laughs> so the next and final update slash question we got is that it was about two months ago, the Denver City Council passed a uh, I don't call it a law, whatever city councils can pass, 
to go out there. Now they're requiring rental properties to have licenses and inspections. Yep. So we updated that a long time when it first happened. Now I have some more details. Yeah. What What are some more specific details on that, Stacey? Yeah, so what has been approved thus far um, is that um, you'll have to register your property, no matter what kind it is, single family, um, multifamily, townhome, condo, um, as a rental and, and basically apply for a license, which I don't, it will be fairly inexpensive is what they have proposed. I think only $50, something like that. And then it will require a renewal every four years. And it sounds like at the renewal time, you will also be required to get an inspection done of the property. They have not outlined the details of what the inspection will entail, um, but just added process to, you know, being a landlord and rental property owner in Denver. Yeah. And so from a high level, I mean, does that mean it's not worth investing in Denver anymore? Absolutely not. Why? Well, first of all, they're not, they're really trying to just, I think, up the standards of living for everyone. And so we should all be, you know, good landlords anyways. We None of our listeners are going to have issues with this. Um, and it's pretty nominal fee mm -hmm. that you're going to have to pay. So, Yeah, I was actually talking to a property manager a while, uh, a little bit ago about this. And yeah, it's going to be, they told me single family properties must be registered by 2023 with initial fee of $50 because this goes into effect January 1 of 2024. So be licensed before. It, yeah, you have to be licensed by then is what it states. Yeah. By then. So, okay, be licensed in 2023 for single family. Now, multifamily properties, anything that's two units or more, be registered by 2020 with fees beginning $100 a year. Now, the interesting thing that caught my eye about the multifamilies is that Rentals with two or more units are required to have a surprise inspection on at least 10% of their units. And so, number one, I don't know how this can work with tenants because, I mean, <laughs> yeah. tenants don't want a surprise inspection. Right. It's an inconvenience to them and, you know, it's, it, it ruins their quiet enjoyment on the property. Um, and I guess if it's a duplex, this goes up to half then. So, I want some more clarity in the multifamily. So, as next year or two, we will get more clarity for you guys and share it. And also, they were saying the inspections are like what you said, just to make sure the basics are there. Appliances are in good working condition. There are smoke detectors and CO2 detectors. Uh, and that a fire extinguisher must be present in the rental, which is something that, uh, I mean, do you have a fire extinguisher in your house near your kitchen? Well, I do. And I always give one as a closing gift to my clients. Do so, you? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I started getting the fire extinguisher and my, I never cared about that. I had kids. I was like, oh yeah, I should probably like try to be a little safer. So overall, it should be very, 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 very basic. I don't think in the grand scheme of things, it's, it's a giant deal. It's not worth saying, oh, Denver's, you know, Denver's bad now. It's not that big of a deal. It's what you said. It's just, they want to make sure that the tenants out there have good places to live. Mm -hmm. And I know our listeners, I know the properties our clients buy, they care about, they care about putting a good product out there. I know you and I have walked properties, Stacey, where they are basically just shitholes. I mean, you go in there, it's like, how does someone live here? And yeah. it's that very small slice where, hey, you are a slumlord. Yeah, those guys need to be pushed out of the market. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, putting myself in both parts of shoes, I understand it. I think it's going to be an inconvenience for a lot of landlords. I think renters are going to, probably have to start paying a little more money to help cover some of the inspections and fees, Could but it'll hopefully delivers a better product. Absolutely. But we're in June, 2021. So we'll tell it goes out next year or two as it rolls out. Absolutely. You're about to say something. 
I was just going to say, I think there will definitely be more um, information coming out about these inspections and what it really entails. I mean, a surprise inspection does not sound like that will go through to me. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't see how they're going to do that, but I think it's one of those things, hey, it sounds good on paper while they're sitting around their desk and then they're not in the trenches, though. So overall, I mean, we will update the audience as we learn more about this next year or two. But from a high level, like, it's not going to stop me. It's not going to stop you. And I don't think it should stop anyone from buying properties because in the grand scheme, it's not a big deal. It's just one more thing to deal with. And either you deal with it or your property manager does. Exactly. All right. What's the comment? All right. So Adam in YouTube says it's a good thing. Wonderful. So Adam, thank you. I think you're at our first live comment so far in like three episodes. (laughs) So we should uh, get his information, Diana, because we taught this idea last week, Stacey. I'm updating you and the audience now as well. Jules had this idea that we should actually start having some guests join us, either on mic or off mic. So let's hook up, Adam, and you can maybe break in our new, I'm using air quotes, our new in-person studio live audience of, you know, one person, two people. (laughs) But Adam, we appreciate it. And uh, and that's the whole goal of the show. It's to have fun. It's to educate. It's to network with all the people around town. Um, and also just to create some really cool engagement in, in the online comment worlds and just do some like hybrid of online versus local. Like that's the cool thing we can do here. So Adam, we appreciate it. And listeners out there going forward, please comment. Please join us. If you can't join us, if you have a question or comment, email us. We're in the process of getting a texting service up as well. So you can text us and that should be done next couple of weeks is kind of the rough plan, cool. but really trying to figure out ways to do some more engagement and bring on all sorts of guests and co-hosts to run us through uh, properties and deals and all stuff. So Stacy, thank you. This was great today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So cheers. Cheers. We'll see you on again soon. Sounds good. Bye everyone. <laughs>